Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. It's going to come up on the screen behind me, or alternatively, you can have a look at your app, or if you've got your Bible, 1 Kings 17. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So the context, we have a drought, which inevitably leads to a famine. So we have a drought and a famine situation going on here. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I've directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him, and he went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. Remember, we're in a famine right now. He called to her and asked her, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was getting to it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little, a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And in a response to anyone who gives you that point of view in their life, I would never suggest you respond to them in this way. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said. Can you imagine a pastor getting up one day and saying that to someone who just said that? Can you imagine the backlash that was going to happen? Oh, go and do as you, go and die. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I want to speak on the subject this evening of favor in the famine. Favor in the famine. I love food. How many of you love food? Seems like a stupid question, but my wife is actually neither here nor there about food. She's just like, well, it's a part of life. I'm like, food is life. I love food except seafood. That's from the devil. Seafood is terrible. But any other food is good. I mean, there is nothing like crispy, bride lamb chops. There's nothing like a roast lamb and roast potatoes. Or, or for some of you, you are real chocolate funny. You love chocolate. A wonderful chocolate milkshake. What about a, a, a good burger and fries? Some of you are planning your takeaway routes home right now, figuring out. But my favorite meal has got to be breakfast. But not just any breakfast, buffet breakfast. There is nothing like a buffet 
breakfast. I get excited for a buffet breakfast. I look forward and plan in advance for my buffet breakfast. And I'm one of those guys, I'm like, I got no scum. I will take that plate and I will fill that plate. You know, there's some people that at the buffet, they're like, just a little bit of bacon and just a little bit of egg because I'm looking around and people are looking at what I'm putting on my plate and I don't want to. I'm the guy that's like, scrambled eggs, bacon, roast potatoes. How can I put muesli on that? Different sort of juices. I'm like, guava, orange, pear. I'll take all of them. That's me. And then I'll walk and people are watching me. I'm like, it's a buffet. I'm taking a buffet. That's what I'm going to do. And then my wife looks at me and the plate, and she's like, whoa, babe, that's a lot of food. And I'm like, woman, get, but no, I don't say that. I don't say that. I, I, I don't know. I'm like, babe, let me explain something. I paid for my buffet. So when I get to the buffet, I'm going to pile on my buffet. And then I'm going to take my buffet as people watch me, and I'm going to walk by, and I'm going to sit down. And babe, I'm going to eat all of my buffet. And babe, you know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to get up and go back for more buffet. And I'm going to keep piling on because I paid for my buffet. And babe, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but my Bible says in John 10, 10 that the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. But I, but I, Jesus came to give me life and life abundantly. So I'm going to live out John 10, 10 even in my breakfast. Because the Bible says it to the full till it overflows. Until my scrambled egg is falling off, I'm not living in John 10, 10. So you can't apply scripture one area but not the other. You must... oh, we love that scripture, don't we? It's a great scripture to quote. John 10, 10, because God gave me life abundantly. And, I'm, and it's a great scripture to declare. It's a great scripture to worship and think about. It's a great scripture that we can think on, yet so many Christians don't live in that scripture. There's so many Christians that, that declare it, that say it, that amen it when a preacher is preaching it, but when we walk out of the church doors, we're not living in the abundant life that God has for you and I. And God wants us to live in an abundant life. God wants us to live a full life. You know, when I had the privilege of going to the States for the first time, you know, you, you've got to try everything that you see on the movies when you go there. And so uh, I'd planned a great diet up to that point so that for a week or two, let loose. And you've got to try all the takeaway spots. So, you know, there's Shake Shack and there's In-N-Out Burger. And, and so I went to, uh, to In-N-Out Burger and I sat there and I ordered my meal. have a medium meal here. And who am I kidding? Super size. Make extra lot. And then I uh, sat down, but I took the cup and you go to the refreshment station and you fill up your drink. And it's lined up there with all the different drinks. And I sat down and I love watching people. So I started watching people. And I saw this guy go up and he took his drink and sat down. And he was finished so quickly and he got up again and filled it up and walked back down. And I was like, the audacity? But now I'm, I'm, not, I'm not part of the state. I'm like, do I say something? Do I go to the manager? Do I say, hey, buddy, listen, you can't just be stealing, stealing drinks here. Until I started seeing more people go. And then I began to realize and discover that in the States, 95% of takeaway restaurants, your cup is a refill. Which firstly begs the question, why do you order large in the first place and pay for that price? Just pay the small one and just go up. But anyway, side point. <laughs> it's, a, it's a refill. 
In South Africa, you do that, you, you're not going to land up in a good place. But in America, you can refill. And maybe I need to remind some people today that as a Christian, God wants you to keep refilling your life with his blessing. That you don't have to stop at the end and go, but my cup is empty, God. I, I, maybe if you could possibly, God's like, well, come up and get it refilled. Come and get my favor. Press into my presence. You've got the, the riches of the kingdom of heaven over your life. Start refilling. But sometimes we're like Oliver Twist. Please, sir, can I have some more? And God's like, no, 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 no. You're a child of God. Approach me with confidence. Bring your life. Bring your cup. Bring your buffet plate and have no scum about it and get into the presence of God and say, God, you are my father. I'm trusting you for blessing. I'm needing a job, God. I'm needing favor in my life, God. I'm needing healing in my life, God. And I'm not going to approach you. I please, God, if maybe you can help me get by. No, your word promises me that as a son and a daughter of the king, I can approach you with confidence, God. And so I come to you with my cup and I say, God, please refill fill my life because I'm on empty right now. But what happens in the famines is we tend to move into survival mode. Isn't that the way we kind of just switch? It's, it's human nature. There's a famine, so we can't believe for that. We're in a famine. So we just believe just to get by. If I can just get my cup a little bit full, God, if I can maybe just get the rent paid, if I can just help my kids get to school, and God's going, no, no, no. I'm the God of the refill. And you need to believe for more, especially in the seasons of famine. You see, this widow in 1 Kings had conceded defeat in her situation. How do I know that? Well, look at her response. Elijah says, go and make me something. And she's going, I, I, I don't have anything. I'm gathering sticks. I'm going to make a meal. And my son and I, we're going to die. Her response says to me, she had given up in her famine that defeat was the inevitable. And I wonder how many Christians, we come to church on a Sunday, yet we walk out of those doors back home and we've already conceded defeat in our marriage, we've conceded defeat in our finances, we've conceded defeat in our health, we've conceded defeat for a job opportunity, we've conceded defeat in a healing heart, and we go back and we gather sticks to prepare for the last meal, because I'm never going to get a job, because I'm never going to get this marriage right, because I'm never going to find healing, because I'm never going to get those finances, because I'm never going to, and just like the widow, we concede defeat, and yet just around the corner, Elijah, God had prepared Elijah to come along, and in the miracle that Elijah was actually having, he was about to help the widow get a miracle as well. Hey, I don't know how it works in heaven and all the, the different, you know, your angles and things that are going on. But one thing I know is that when we're sons and daughters of the king, God is always working behind the scenes to prepare favor and blessing to those who would press into his presence. Come on, don't concede defeat in your marriage. It's not over. Don't concede defeat in your finances. The enemy is quick to say, it's done. And just when that widow thought, my life is dead, God was about to restore life to her life. Come on, don't give up just yet. God has got so much more in your life. And as you press in, you'll begin to see the favor of God. But we have to press in to see the favor of God. Yet so often we just survive. God, I just, I just want to survive. And then inevitably what we do is I think what this widow probably did. She had probably prayed many times, God, take me out of this place 
to a new place. God, take me out of the famine place to a fruitful place. And days went by and her prayers weren't answered. And weeks possibly went by and her prayers weren't answered. And she had reached a point where she felt like she had given up hope. Yet what the widow had failed to realize, that God was trying to teach her something. That I'm not just God of your fruitful seasons. I'm God in your famine seasons. I'm not just God in your abundance. I'm God in your lack. And sometimes God has to allow the famine seasons in our lives to help us understand that I'm not just good when it's going good for you. I'm good in all seasons, at all times, in all situations. And as you look around at the situation go, it's dead. It's a drought. It's a famine. God says, I'm coming through for you. You just need to trust me. You can't declare I'm God in the good times, but then forget me in the bad times. And God was trying to teach this widow, hey, 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 I'm God in all seasons. And maybe for some of you today, tonight, you need to be reminded that he is God of the season that you're in right now. And he'll be God of the good times that you're going to be in. And he'll be God of the challenges that you're going to face. And he'll be God of the troubles that you endure. And he'll be God of the victories that you're going to have. Overall, God is God is God. He is God. And as we acknowledge him, God will see favor in our lives. So let's look at a few points this evening on favor in the famine. Are you being stirred? Number one, God's favor is in your position. God's favor is in your position. The place was famine. And the widow looked to the place to become her sustenance. How many times do we look at the place to sustain us. And she would have said, I want to go to a different place. God, if you take me to a different place, I'll be blessed. And so for, for our lives, we wait for the next place to come when God actually wants to bring favor into your life right now. Not because of your place, but because of your position as a son and daughter of the king. God wants to bring favor in your life because you are a son and a daughter of the king. And I want to make this declaration today on this statement. Assume your position. Assume your position as a child of God. Assume your position as a son of God. Assume your position as a daughter of the king. Your place is not your answer. Your surroundings are not your answer. The economy is not your answer. The conditions are not your answer. The king is your sustenance. The king is our answer. And purely by the position, we are favored by God. That widow found favor because she was a daughter of the king. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Heirs don't beg for their inheritance. They claim it because of the position that they are in. And I want to encourage you today, you don't need to beg God and just hope it might work out. Stand in your position as a son and a daughter of the king. And God, I'm believing for favor over my life. I don't always get things right. I'm doing my best. But because of my position, Father, I know you're going to bless me. You're going to bless me in my famine. You're going to bless me in the fruitful seasons. You're going to bless me in the famine seasons. You're going to bless me in the good times. You're going to bless me in the lack because you are God of all seasons. This widow had done nothing to earn it. You know, we don't always get blessed because of what we've done. 
Sometimes God just looks and says, I'm blessing you because you're a daughter. I'm blessing you because you're a son. Purely by inheritance, I'm going to bless you because you're a child of God. Come on, I think some of us need to, to give God praise this evening because some of us are in jobs that it doesn't make sense how we got them, but because of the favor of God, we're in the job that we've got. Come on, some of you are in houses that it doesn't make sense how you got that house, but because of the favor of God, you're in that house. Some of you got a bank balance where you're like, it doesn't make sense how I got that balance, but by the favor of God. Some of you are in marriages where on paper, it, you don't know how you got your husband or wife. Listen, every time I wake up and look at my wife, I'm like, favor, favor. You know what they say? Favor ain't fair. I look at my, I'm like, favor. If anyone wants to ever know about my life, if I'm favored, I'm like, look at my wife. Look at my ring. Favor. I, I don't know what I did to deserve you, but favor. Listen, some things, God will look out for us and we'll go, I, I don't know how I got that, but by the favor of God. Now, Kalami is a beautiful picture of the favor of God as a cat. Uh, two or three years in the waiting and bids falling, and, but the favor of God. Because once God puts favor on something and says it's yours, no one can come and take it. No one can come and claim it. God's like, I'm sorry, that's not going to work because that's for that church. That's for that marriage. That's for that person. That job belongs to them. Those finances belong. So you can try and try, but that belongs to that person. Favor because of position. But it all comes down to faith, doesn't it? Because Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, no one can please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real. We all amen at that, but sometimes we forget the next part, and that he rewards those who truly want to find him. We sometimes come into church and we worship, we go, I know you're real, but there's another half of that scripture. And I know you want to reward me as I seek you, God. And we need to stand on that as well. But this is also faith. Faith is not just assuming our position. Faith is taking God and putting him in his position. Faith says, my lack will not dictate, so I take lack off the throne and I put God on the throne. My trouble's not on the throne. God is on the throne. My challenges are not on the throne. God is on the throne. So God, as I take my position as a son and a daughter, I also take everything else off that should not be on the throne, God, and I put you in your position, and as I press in with faith, I can expect the favor of God in my life. And this leads to number two. In your famine, put God first. In your famine, put God first. There's a very powerful statement that we often overlook in Elijah's response. In verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and die, basically is what he's saying, and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son, but first make me something. In the middle of lack, in the middle of a famine, in the middle of a drought, God, through the prophet, the prophet Elijah, still had the audacity to say, first, before you die, go make me some bread. If I was the widow at that time, I'd be like, God, 
are you seeing the same situation that I'm seeing? Because my situation, as I look around, says there's no crops, there's no harvest, I'm in lack, God, my bank balance is not looking good, my marriage is not looking good, my life is not looking good at the moment, God, so I don't know if you're seeing the same thing as me, God, but that's the situation I'm in right now. I know, but first, I th- I, but the widow's probably thinking, you know what, I'm going to die anyway, and I'm going to see God in a moment, we'll have that discussion just now. <laughs> but first, you see, God is very interested in being put first. In fact, throughout any scripture and story you can find, you will see that God wants to be put first in everything. See, we make it all about this, God, but, but all I've got is this. God says, that's not the issue. The issue is where are you putting me? When the, when the woman responded, this widow, she said, but I've only got. And I think God kind of looks at her and goes, I know what you've got. I, I, I don't, you don't need to remind me of what you've got. And by saying to Elijah slash God, what I have, I'm also implying what I don't have. So God, this is all I've got. Hint, hint, have you seen what I don't have? And God's going, I know. But I'm about to show you favor in the famine. And I need you to put me first. And when you put your little first, I will take care of the lack. And we so fixated on the lack that we think nothing can be done with the little. You know, in Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What is the tithe? It's the first 10%. You see, you, see, you see, here's the thing. Tithing is not a money issue. It's a priority issue. Volunteering is not a serving issue. It's a priority issue. I'm going to look away for this one in case I offend someone. Coming to church on time is not a time issue. It's a priority issue. If you're offended, you can chat to me afterwards. You see, all these things, God was looking at the widow's, the, the widow's flower and going, that's not the issue. The issue is your priority. So I want you to tithe to build the church and go, but the foundation is who's first in your life. I want you to serve to help people and testimony, but, but out of the foundation, it says to me who's first in your life. See, the issue is the priority. And tonight, we're being challenged with that. I'm being challenged with that. Where is our priority? Where are our priorities at? Is God number one? But look what I, I know what you've got. I know what you don't have. But if you put me first, I'll take care of what you don't have, and then I'll make something of what you do have. But we've got to trust God, and we need to put him first. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God or God's kingdom and what God wants. Then all your other needs will be met as well. But I want to quote John 10.10 that God came to give me life. Yeah, but put God first and then the abundance will follow. I don't like that first part of the scripture sometimes in my life because it means I have to rearrange things out of my control. God says that's exactly how it needs to be, to put God first. So there's three truths in that point this evening. Number one, truth number one, most Christians have more fear of running out than faith for running over. And I know this is quite a direct challenging message, but I want you to know as 
As you're being challenged, I get challenged because this is God's word. Most Christians have more fear of running out than faith of running over. I want to ask you today, are you someone who's more afraid of the lack or do you have more faith for what could come out of what God can do? But if I give you this, I've got nothing left. Oh, but if you give this to God, what could you have overflowing? What could your little in the hand of a mighty God? And listen, I'm not just talking finances here. I'm talking about sowing the little in every part of our lives. If you've just got a, a little bit of joy, if you sow that joy into friendships and into marriage, you sow kind words. It's just a little word saying, hey, well done tonight. Or, or hey, you look cool. Or hey, my wife, you look beautiful. Husband, you look handsome. It's just a little word. It doesn't mean anything. No, that little can transform your marriage where God can bring favor out of that marriage. It's about getting our little and sowing our little and trusting God that he'll cause us to run over. Which leads to truth number two. Sowing is a test for the rest to be blessed. Sowing is a test for the rest to be blessed. See, God says, sow me, uh, sow that into my life, into me. And as you sow that, it's a test so that I can take the rest and I can bless it. What you think is little in your life right now, God's going, sow. Sow your voice. Sow your worship. Sow into your marriage. Sow into your friendships. You say, I've got no time to serve. Sow your little time. Watch God cause great things in the remainder of what we have in our lives. And truth number three, when you begin to curse your only, you will begin to live on empty. When, when you begin to curse your only, you will begin to live on empty. See, you see this widow, she said to Elijah, I've got nothing. Oh, I only have. In fact, another version says, she says, I've got nothing except a little. And I think sometimes we too, we're too quick to curse our little. And in so doing, we find that we live on empty. But with the little that you have, I want you to thank God for that little. And as you begin to thank God for the little that you have, God, I'm not in the job that I want right now, but I thank you that I have a job right now, God. And so I sow my job. I give my very best to this nation and to the people who are employing me, Lord. And I believe that this job you're going to bring, God will bring favor in your life. God, I don't have a lot of money right now, but I'm going to begin to sow this little that I have. I'm not going to curse my lack. I'm going to believe that in my lack, you will bring a great abundance in the famine. I'm not going to curse the little that I have, God, because the little in the hand of a mighty God becomes a massive harvest. But we say, well, look what little I got, and we toss it aside. God says, no, no, take your little, thank God for your little, and allow God to do something with your little. Let's never, let, let's never curse our little, or curse our, but I, but I only have. You know, I love, I love being in a cinema at Centurion. You might look at me and go, oh, do you really? No, I love, because it's just, you just see, it's about, it's about people. Like, it's, it's just all about the people. And we, we only have we, have, we have only right now. And we've got little right now. And I could, I could walk around and go, man, why don't we have a building like Santon and Kalam? It's so unfair. They got all the kids' zones. They got all the youth ministry. And they got all the young. We don't have nothing. I could do that. But I'm like, no, no, no. Thank you for our little centurion. Because what I've seen as I've 
prayed over our little centurion and we've given thanks to our little centurion is God begins to grow little centurion to the point where we were quite full today where we're like, we probably need a third service at some point in our little centurion because our little centurion is growing and I'm thankful for our little centurion because there's so many lives that God is working into. There's so many families being restored. There's so many marriages that are being healed. See, when you've got a little, don't curse your little, why don't I have that giant building? Why don't I? No, thank you God for the people in centurion that are coming to the cinema and you begin to see God. Okay, cool. I'm going to open doors there. I'm going to bless there. I'm going to be thankful for your little. If you had to tell me 12 months ago, you're going to start in a cinema, I'd be like, okay, we can, yep, we can make this happen. We can make this happen. If you had to tell me now, would you go back and change a thing? I'd go, don't give me a building. Not yet. Because what God is doing in our only is producing a harvest of plenty that people will come to know. And I say that because I know that's happening in our, in our life in Centurion. You know, in the book of Genesis, we find Isaac. And Isaac was in a famine season. And then he tried to go to Egypt to get out of that land. And God is like, whoa, hey, buddy. Don't you remember what I said? I'll bless this land. So you can go there or you can trust me and stay here. But there's nothing. But at your word, at your word, hey, I heard that in 1 Kings when Elijah went, at your word, he stayed. And look what it says in Genesis 26, verse 12. It says, Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year, not when the famine was over, no, the same year, the same season, the same situation, he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Not the land, not the, the, the farmers working in the land, not the heart, no, no, not the weather, the Lord blessed him. If you're in a famine right now, don't look to people, don't look to the government, don't look to your friends, don't look to your family, don't, don't look to anyone else but the Lord. Because the favor comes from the Lord. And I'm believing for testimonies of people that will go, I was in a desert, but I sowed and I planted, and look what the Lord has done. But we got to trust God, amen? Paul Chappelle says this, placing him first in your life should be your daily goal, the main pursuit in the midst of all your other pursuits. And the final point this evening, point number three, and I pray that I've, I've challenged you today as I'm being challenged. Number three, start thinking thriving, not surviving. Start thinking thriving, not surviving. The widow in, in, one, in one Kings was stuck in a state of survival. Her mentality was, well, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die anyway. So I'm just stuck in survival mode. I'm just trying to just get by. You see, the place had a famine, yet she had been really called favored by God. And we get into survival mode even with God, like I said earlier. We come and we pray, God, I just need to get by this week. And then it comes to Sunday and we drag ourselves in church going, whew, that was a tough week. But by the grace of the God, by grace of God, I just made it. It's good to be in the house of God. Now we have tough weeks and we have tough situations, but that's a survival mentality. 
And God says, you shouldn't get into survival mentality as a child of God. You should get into a thriving mentality. I don't just want you to survive, says God. I want you to thrive. I want you to flourish. I want in your famine for people to look and go, how are you so favored? God. I, I, I haven't done anything but God. I, I, I've been gathering sticks and I've just been... But God, it's like my, my jar and my jug are never running out. It just keeps, I don't know how it keeps flowing, but it keeps flowing. And I'm just believing God and I'm just pressing in and I'm there on Sunday and I'm serving and I'm trusting and I'm worshiping and, and this, this jug and this jar just doesn't run out. I, I, all I can say is, but God, the favor of God. And I'm believing for thriving, not surviving. You know, God doesn't want your marriage to survive. He wants it to thrive. He doesn't want you go, you know, us as married couples, he doesn't want us to get home every day and as we go to sleep, we're like, whoa, I made it. I just made it with him or her. Man, we, another day as I wake up, praise the Lord, another day we married, we survived. No, God's like, I want your marriage to thrive. I want your marriage where people look at you and go, how long have you guys been together? About 35, 35 years. You look like you met yesterday. You're so in love. You're enjoying life. You're enjoying holidays together. That's the marriage that God wants for our lives. God wants a thriving church, not a surviving church. Thank you, Lord, that we are not a survival church, but we are a thriving church. God wants your finances to thrive. God wants your health to thrive. God wants your friendships to thrive. God wants you and your job to thrive, not just hanging on by a thread, just going, oh, the boss called me. I know what's coming. We not, you know, we need to change our mentality from, oh, no, the boss is calling me. What's coming? To the boss is calling. must be my promotion that I've been waiting for. I think that's the promotion I've been waiting for. That's the mentality we've got to have in our lives. But too often we think survival instead of thriving. As a child of God, we need to believe that God wants us to thrive and not survive. And as we come to a close this evening, a desert, as everyone will know, is a very dry place. If I took a rose and I put it in a desert... And Sting started singing. Oh, that's a terrible joke. Um, some of you are like, I don't get it. I don't, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so you put a rose in a desert. If I plant a rose in a desert, you can come one day later and it will be dead. Because of the harsh conditions, a rose cannot survive in a desert. A rose needs to be taken to a different place with different conditions in order for it to grow. But there is a plant that grows in a desert that is called the velvet mesquite plant. And what's incredible about this plant is that it relies on no conditions whatsoever. Whatever is going on around it, it's not a factor in how it grows because its roots plunge 50 meters deep into the ground where it takes hold of the source. So the velvet mesquite is not reliant on the place or the conditions. It's reliant on its foundation of the source that never runs out. Come on. Some of you need to be reminded tonight, your conditions are not where your favor is going to come from. It's when we root ourselves in the foundation of God that we're able to go, you don't need to move me in a different place. I'm not worried about the economy. I'm not worried about the conditions right now because I'm rooted in Christ Jesus. And as you dig into God, you begin to go, hang on, the source was always there. The source was always flowing. My source was never around me. My source was always deep within. And we need to take our roots and dig deep 
into God. Get into God's word. Get into God's presence. Press in. Can I encourage you? Imagine as you worship and as you're in your quiet time, imagine your spiritual roots deepening into God where you'll begin to see the sustenance and the favor of God. And as you look around and go, there's a drought going on, but deep within, I assume my position and then I dig into God and then I find the favor of God. You know, in the book of Isaiah, we, we read about Israel, and, you know, Israel is often compared to Christians in the New Testament of what God wants to do and over our lives, and Isaiah 44 says this, the Lord says, people of Jacob, you are my servants, listen to me, people of Israel, I chose you. You and I need to remember today, God chose you. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You have got purpose from God. I chose you. I formed you in your mother's body. Who will help you? I will help you. People of Jacob, my servants, don't be afraid, Israel. I chose you. Another reminder. I will pour out water for the thirsty land and make streams flow on dry land. I will pour out my spirit into your children and my blessings on your descendants. Your children will grow like a tree in the grass, like poplar trees growing beside streams of water. And I believe that that's what God is going to begin to do in people's lives today is you would put him first and you'd assume your position. That where there is drought, there will begin to be streams. Where there is lack, there would begin to have favor. Where there is famine, there'd begin to see excess and abundance in your life. But we have to assume our position, put him in his rightful position, dig our roots deep and stand in faith and say, God, not because of what I've done but because of who you are. I dig deep and I trust for the favor of God. Come on, favor in your family. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.